Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. Today, I'm happy to welcome Emma Cardwell and Nathan Bliss to the podcast. Emma is a student at Middlebury College, where she is a neuroscience major on the pre-med track. Nathan is a student at Texas A&M University studying bioengineering. Emma and Nathan are recipients of Cure Epilepsy's Education Enrichment Fund Scholarship, which is given to those living with epilepsy, their family members, or caregivers. Both Emma and Nathan have grown up alongside a sibling with epilepsy, and they are here today to talk about their experiences and the impact of having a sibling with epilepsy, Emma, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your siblings and your sibling experience. Uh, to kick things off, I I want to hear about your siblings. Emma, tell me about Abby first, and then Nathan, I'd love to hear about Charles. Yeah, so I'm an older sister to my um, middle sister, Abby. When she was around two, she was diagnosed uh, with epilepsy. Um, she has a suspected mitochondrial disorder, uh, but that hasn't been confirmed with genetic tests yet. But this results in her having other health conditions like poor muscle tone, um, an intellectual disability, and kidney problems. So she has multi-system organ issues, um, but she definitely uh, takes it like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, what about Charles? Yeah, so Charles is a couple years older than me, but Charles was first diagnosed with autism at a young age. And then when he was seven, the onset of his epilepsy came. Um, he was later diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder, Phelan McDermott syndrome. Um, and Charles has Lennox-Gastaut's epilepsy, a severe form of treatment-resistant epilepsy. So I think it's interesting. We have an, an older sibling and a younger sibling here, um, which is going to, I think, offer you know a, a different perspective when did each of you first learn about your siblings' epilepsy? Nathan, I'll let you kick us off there. Yeah, so Charles's first seizure when, was when he was about seven years old, and I must have been about five years old then. Um, but he had one grand mal seizure, and it lasted about 40 minutes. And I remember the paramedics came to our house, and it was a really scary experience for our whole family. And I don't think my parents really knew what was going on. Um, but after that, he had a series of, of more grand mal seizures. Um, and since then, his epilepsy has gotten significantly more severe. Uh, there have been days where he's had thousands of seizures. And, um, you know, in the past few days, Charles has had dozens of seizures. Um, but I remember my parents explaining it to me as a, a, a miswiring in Charles's brain, like a loose circuit was going off. And I think that made a lot of sense to me. So, I th yeah, I think that was a good way to explain it to me. Emma, what about you with Abby, and and when did you first become aware of of her epilepsy, and how did your how was it explained to you? So I was about three years old, so I don't like really remember it, but I remember it being um, explained to me that her pretty much all her entire body was shutting down except for her brain, which was being overactive, um, and I just remember maybe when I was a little bit older that like just looking out the window and like hearing the sirens, like I could sense my parents' stress. Um, and I just saw my like little sister being like carted off um, on a stretcher with all these like 
um, paramedics and EMTs around her. It was definitely a really um, scary experience. I can only speak to it from the parent side, but I, I can imagine as a child, the difference being that you have a lot less information to work off of. Um, how did your siblings' epilepsy affect your family? Yeah, so my family was very stressed um, all the time. Uh, we never knew when a seizure would hit. It was unpredictable. Uh, when she first started having seizures, they were uncontrollable, just like in um, Charles's case. She was having hundreds, and um, they would always cluster. They would always be grandma's uh, grandma seizures, and she would have to go to the hospital because rescue medications didn't work. Um, so we were definitely always on edge, um, really traumatized. Also, we were told that, um, the doctors had abandoned hope and that she might not make it, um, a lot of times by multiple doctors. Um, but it definitely brought me and my extended family together. Uh, they really took care of me when my parents couldn't be there for me and with Abby in the hospital. So it brought us together and also just showed us who, like we could really trust. So um, I guess that was a good thing that came out of it. Absolutely. Uh, and what about in your family, Nathan? Yeah, so I, I think from the onset of Charles's epilepsy, our really big family concern really became caring for Charles and trying to get his seizures under control. And it, it was everything from, you know, he was starting to have a wheelchair at home and Charles had to wear a, a helmet for a period of time because his drop seizures were so bad. And I mean, there were periods of time where Charles was in the hospital for hundreds of days. And um, I know my family was always having to focus on him and we had hired nurses and attendants to help take care of him. And someone always had to be with him at all times in case he had a drop seizure. Um, but, you know, I was often left fending for myself. You know, my parents would be at the hospital or parents would be at work and taking care of Charles. And so oftentimes I would stay with friends and um, family members. I'd stay at my grandparents' house for a long time. And so it was, you know, I learned a lot of responsibility growing up during that time, you know, trying to take care of Charles myself and take care of myself when my parents were taking care of Charles. So it had a big impact on our family. How did having a sibling with epilepsy affect you personally? Were there things that you couldn't do? Did it affect your social situation at school? Um, what were What did those personal effects look like? I would say growing up alongside Charles, I, it was, it was hard to see his epilepsy. Like I had grown up with it all my life that I can remember. Um, but it was really when I started hanging out with my friends and I realized that their siblings weren't like Charles is when I really started to recognize that Charles was different and he was dealing with something that other siblings weren't. Um, I remember very clearly my mom telling me about a time that I'd spent the night at a friend's house and I'd come back and I'd told her how oh, my friend and his brother were fighting. And I was wondering, I was like, what? why don't Charles and I do that, you know? And so I think that was kind of a moment of realization that Charles was very different than other siblings. But um, Charles went to school with me in high school. And I remember a lot of the kids, you know, would see him wearing a lacrosse helmet. Um, he wore a lacrosse helmet for a long time that had a face mask because he would fall from these job seizures and we wanted to protect his face. And I remember kids in high school were being very judgmental and pointing and saying, um, you know, why is he wearing the helmet? And a lot of people would say, oh, that's Nathan's brother. And I think I wanted to distance myself from that for a long time. I was embarrassed to see, you know, that kids were judging Charles for that. And it took me a little bit to learn that I shouldn't be embarrassed of that or that 
you know, Charles can't defend himself in a situation like that. And there's no one to stand up for Charles but me. And so I did. And I think it, I quickly learned that it's not right of me to be embarrassed or want to distance myself from Charles's situation. And that I really embraced being his brother and that he was unique in that way. Um, so I think I really learned who my true friends were because they were able to communicate with Charles and look past that and not judge him for, you know, being in a wheelchair or having to wear a helmet to school. And I think it really taught me a lot about I mean, my friendships and um, about how to how I can um, embrace Charles's differences in public and in school. I bet you taught a lot of people uh, lessons that they still carry with them today. Emma, what about what about you? How did having Abby for a sister affect you personally growing up in school and um, and activities? Yeah, so similar to Nathan, um, when I was younger, especially my friends would always, whenever they came over, they would be like, "Oh, like why can't your sister talk? Like why can't she walk properly? Like what's wrong with her?" And I was embarrassed. I was like, "Like I don't." no like she has something wrong with her brain um and yeah so similar to Nathan I was embarrassed um just because she wasn't like she was different and like my the the younger kids like being young they have no filter so they really made me aware of how different she was um but like as I got older I obviously became to embrace came to embrace those differences and so did the people around me and uh that's like why we all love her so much. Uh, but I definitely, because of her epilepsy and the unpredictable nature of the disease, you can't, it's so, you can't really plan ahead. So I had to miss a lot of play dates with friends. I couldn't go to like the movies, like what most young kids do. Um, I never knew who was going to pick me up from school. Um, so like school took the back burner. Um, and then when Abby relapsed, when I was older, and started having bad seizures again, um, I kind of had to prioritize her and then taking care of my youngest sister, um, picking her up from school and uh, taking her to her extracurricular activities. Um, so again, really the only thing I was able to do at that time is school and then I had a job, which I also had to miss a lot of work um, to take care of my youngest sister or to relieve my parents from sitting by Abby's side at the hospital. Become an agent of change in the epilepsy community. Apply for Cure Epilepsy's 2021 Education Enrichment Fund Scholarship. We are currently accepting applications from those living with epilepsy, family members, or caregivers for this scholarship supporting coursework in your chosen field. Applications are due April 15, 2021. For more information or to apply, please visit our website at cureepilepsy.org forward slash scholarships or contact us at scholarship at cureepilepsy.org. I can only imagine that at times there was likely some resentment there for both of you. I think that that would be fairly natural. But I'm curious to hear how your relationship is with your siblings today, now that you're a bit older and you have some perspective and a little life experience under your belt. Um, Emma, how, what, how is your relationship with Abby? Yeah, so now um, Abby and I are inseparable. Thank God for FaceTime because we're always on FaceTime um, whenever she has a free time in the middle of her day or in the middle of my day. She'll just call me and 
she's my best friend. Um, I could just like talk to her for hours. She's such an inspiration to me also, even though she's my youngest sister. Um, I look up to her every day and she inspires me every day to keep going with school and um, to stay positive. So she's one of the biggest role models in my life and my best friend. I love that. Nathan, what, how, how is your relationship with Charles? You had said something about resentment, and I think that's a common thing I see with a lot of siblings, with other siblings with disabilities. And I think for a long time, I did feel that way. I was like, you know, this is really unfair that, you know, I have to be embarrassed that, you know, when kids come over to our house or my house to play with me, and then I would be embarrassed about his nurses or his medical equipment or his attendants being there. And so I never really wanted to have kids over to our house. And you know, I, I did feel a lot of that resentment for a while, and I it, it took me a while to get over that and see how stubborn and, you know, selfish that was. And I think my perspective really changed on that, and I'm, I, I can't believe I thought that back when I was younger. Um, but I'd say today, Charles and I, uh, our relationship is, is good now, and I think um, Charles is nonverbal, so our form of communication is a little bit different than most siblings. And so we don't talk traditionally, but we do share experiences. And that's, that's our form of communication. You know, Charles loves to go on Jeep rides. So we'll take him out in the Jeep and we'll put the top down. And that's one of his favorite things to do. Um, we'll do other activities together. And I know, you know, I know he's enjoying it. He'll be smiling. And so that's really our form of communication. And being at college, it's been a little difficult to see him so often. But um, I'm able to see him more now when I can go home and see my family and Charles. And so our relationship has, has changed over the years. When Charles used to speak when he was younger, um, he had a pretty solid vocabulary, but he's slowly lost that ability to talk over time. Um, and I think we've definitely grown closer through those years. I don't imagine that um, spending the last year plus in a global pandemic helps when you have a uh, medically complex or fragile sibling at home and, and being able to connect with them personally. So we think that it's incredibly interesting that both of you have decided to go into a medical field, medical profession. Can you explain what led you in that direction and um, what you are currently studying and, and hope to do uh, for a career? Yeah, so I'm now a senior at uh, Middlebury College, and I'm going to graduate with a bachelor, bachelor's degree in neuroscience um, and a minor in global health. So the neuroscience piece definitely comes from uh, growing up with a sibling with epilepsy. Uh, when I first kind of took a dive into science and we learned about uh, the brain, I just was really fascinated, and I had this really personal connection um, to the brain and disorders of the brain. So that's really what uh, triggered my interest in neuroscience. And then seeing all the doctors and their like compassion and hard work and just really inspired me to want to do the same thing. And I saw how much they helped me and my family and my sister and um, really like changed her life. Um, and saved her life too. And I like really hope to do that for other people. I think you're going to do an amazing job. Nathan. Yeah. So I, I remember my mom telling me 
a very a story when Charles was in the hospital for a while that there was a, a resident um, that was visiting Charles. And on her last day of rotation, I think she broke down crying and was like, you know, I've never seen a case like Charles's where it's been so helpless and there's just so little that we can do to control his seizures. And I'm, I think that really sums it up well. I think a big struggle of our family has been the frustration from how little we can do. I mean, uh, you know, our biggest goal has really been trying to improve Charles's quality of life and control his seizures. And Charles has been on um, hundreds of seizure medications and he's had brain surgeries and uh, he's had a device implanted in his chest, a um, vagus nerve stimulator to try and control his seizures. And he's tried the ketogenic diet and they all worked for a little bit and then his seizures return. And so he's been on this endless cycle of trying new clinical trials and experimental drugs. And so I think that frustration that our family shared is really inspired us all to want to do everything that we can in our power to help people like Charles. And Charles had a lot of medical complications. I mean, he had, you know, geneticists, epileptologists, neurologists, I mean, every kind of doctor you can imagine. And I was around them all the time. And I think, I think being surrounded by those people was absolutely inspiring. I think seeing all the work that they were putting in to help individuals like Charles, it really inspired me and motivated me to do the same. I, in the yearbook, I have a picture of me in second grade saying, when I grow up, I want to be a neurologist. And I hardly knew what it was back then, but it's still true. And to this day, I'd still want to be a neurologist. Um, so right now, I'm a junior at Texas A&M University, and I'm studying biomedical engineering. Um, I'm hoping to go to medical school after this. And I would like to do neurology and neuroscience. So hopefully I can do some research as well. I've seen the power of, of the clinical research has, and Charles has been involved in a lot of clinical research, and that is certainly what I want to do in the future. So 100% Charles has inspired me and motivated me to go into this field, and I've met tons of siblings similar to Charles that have dealt with really challenging struggles, and that's, that's what I want to do. It, it seems to be a strong common thread, and Goodness knows we need all of the neurologists, epileptologists, and researchers that, that we can get in this world. So um, grateful to both of you for, for starting to journey down this path. You know, what advice do you have for other siblings of children with special needs or epilepsy um, that you'd like to share from your past experience? So I would say um, having a support network is like the most important thing, um, both for you and your family and your sibling, um, as well as you being like a good support system for them. Um, and it's really important to try and stay hopeful and positive um, despite all these traumatic things and maybe bad news that you're receiving a lot of the time. Um, but just remember that someone needs your positivity and um hopeful energy. Also, I would say being an advocate is really important as well. Um, just always stand off for your sibling. Like we were talking about earlier, it is really hard growing up, not getting the attention um, <laughs> from your parents. And you do feel like a little resentful and jealous. And looking back, it is like really like I'm ashamed that I ever thought that. Um, but just try and keep in mind that like it's probably 10 times harder for your sibling um, and what they're going through than it is for you. 
Now, I want to follow up there because I'm curious, being a parent, um, having a neurotypical child and having my daughter who had epilepsy and a multitude of other medical complications, are there certain things that your parents did that worked well, different tricks that you remember that you were receptive to? And if not, that's completely okay. I'm just curious. <laughs> I think they would try to find things that I like to do and like do them with me. Um, like taking me out like to get ice cream or to the park or something and just trying to find that one-on-one -on -one time with me. Um, especially just because like one minute I was like an only child and got all the attention and the next minute I had a sister who like had all the attention. Um, so I think they tried to do that as best they could. Um, other than that, I spent a lot of time with my cousins who are a similar age to me. And um, so I got like a lot of attention from my um, aunts and uncles. But I think just trying to make that one-on-one -on -one time um, is really important because it just reminds the other sibling that they're also important and that they're being seen and being heard too. Nathan, same question to you. What advice do you give to other siblings out there? And also what, you know, were there any um, tips or tricks that your parents used to help relieve some of your resentment or, you know, still make you feel special even considering the circumstances? Yeah, so I guess the advice that I would give to other siblings is that you're not alone. There, I've met a lot of siblings, and like we had mentioned earlier, all of them seem to be very inspired and motivated by their siblings. And so I would say use that momentum and use that motivation to do something and make a difference and impact the lives of people like your siblings. I know it's easy to feel resentment towards your siblings, and it's important to remember that this isn't something that's in their control. And a lot of times there's no one to stand up for them except for you. And, you know, it, I think it's a different perspective from the parents seeing your child grow up, but growing alongside a sibling is a different kind of bond. And it's always important to remember that. Um, I think it took me a long time to see that and I wish I'd seen it earlier, but um, know that, you know, your sibling is your sibling and you got to give them the unconditional love that they deserve. To answer your other question too, as, um, I, with my family, I know I was incredibly grateful. I was always loved. It was easy for me to forget that at times and think that, oh, you know, I'm not getting the attention that, you know, Charles is getting. But truth is, he needed that attention a lot more than I did. You know, there were times where my parents would have to alternate, you know, being in the hospital for weeks at a time, and I wouldn't see them for a long time. Um, and it was easy to feel like neglected of that attention. Um, but my parents always did a really amazing job of giving me the attention. And I think they came to my sporting events all the time and they, you know, would make time doing activities that I enjoyed. And I think that was really special. Absolutely. You two are incredible and we are so grateful for your time and your energy, your compassion and your empathy um, for sharing your journeys. I think it's going to be incredibly helpful to other siblings out there, as well as to parents and families as a whole who are continuously walking a shared journey with both of you. So thank you so much for your time. Um, you're incredible. Thank you for thank having us. Thank you, Emma and Nathan, for sharing your experiences growing up with a sibling who has epilepsy. 
As we heard from Emma and Nathan, an epilepsy diagnosis doesn't just affect the person with epilepsy. It impacts the entire family. Those impacts can be both challenging and inspirational. Cure Epilepsy was born out of the challenges faced by families living with epilepsy, and for more than 20 years, we've been inspired by patients, family members, caregivers, physicians, and scientists to fund research in pursuit of our goal, a world without epilepsy. We hope you help us reach that goal by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. Cure Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.